Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquarium... Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, your look at everything going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and general animal weirdness. I'm excited to have y'all back, and uh, quick friendly reminder that Zoo News is a crowd-sourced news program, so if you see anything interesting that you think might fit this program, go ahead and tag me in it, at Rossafari on the socials, or at Pod on TikTok, or email it to me, rossafaripod at gmail.com, and I'll say your name at the end of the episode. Exciting times for all involved. And speaking of exciting times... Y'all, this is the last episode for a minute that is going to just be me. Uh, as you may have seen on the socials, I am entering into a collaboration week next week, and I really couldn't be more excited about it. So um, I'm going to be doing multiple collaborative episodes with the team from Trainer Talks and Tales. Now, if you don't know that podcast, you need to go and follow at Trainer Talks and Tales on Instagram and check out their podcast. Uh, this is a podcast that is run by two trainers in Australia. They work at different facilities and they're besties, and it is just an amazing look at the industry and especially how things are done in Australia. Uh, and and you may wonder, well, isn't isn't keeping and training and stuff universal? And it is, but um, it's just interesting getting a different perspective, even just like language wise. You know, a lot of times I feel like when I listen to those episodes, um, especially they do this thing at the beginning where they ask five quick questions called the fast five. And uh, yeah, sometimes I, I only know what the words are in three or four of them. It's just a really fun time. And um, uh, Tess and Daisy, who are the hosts, are just awesome. I've gotten to become friends with them and it is amazing. So here is the plan for next week. Okay. We'll see how this all plays out because honestly, doing things with people in Australia is hard timing wise. But our current plan is that on Tuesday, you are going to hear a Rossafari episode featuring Daisy Barrett, one of the hosts of that podcast, and uh, she's also a keeper and a trainer at Sea Life Gold Coast. So she talks about her experience there, and um, it is a really, really good time. It's really inspirational. Then on Thursday, they release their episode of the podcast with John Rossi, host of the Rossafari podcast, appearing on their their podcast. And, you know, I have to say, uh, I've appeared on, on numerous podcasts, and I know that a lot of y'all have listened to those. And I'm the first to admit that sometimes they have the tendency of being a little repetitive. 
And that makes sense. Everybody wants to know how I got into this and what my favorite experiences have been and stuff. But Daisy and Tess came up with some really different questions for me. I got asked a lot about the state of zoos right now and about kind of what I want to see zoos continue to improve on and what I see that is being done well. And um, it's stuff that I talk about on here like conversationally from time to time, but I I think y'all really need to check it out because I I definitely think it is a very unique episode, and um, I was really excited to be a part of that podcast. It was a lot of fun, so uh, I hope y'all will check that out on Thursday. Then on Friday, you'll be back here for Zoo News, but guess what? It won't just be me. Daisy and Tess are going to help me out with Zoo News uh, that week, so that's going to be really cool. And then we are going to end our collaboration the next Tuesday with Tess appearing on Raw Safari, and we talk about the work that she does free-flying raptors, and we talk about koalas that she took care of early in her career, and... um, Honestly, we just have a lot of fun with the uh, different um, language uh, used in Australia and uh, in the States. We had a lot of fun with that. So I am so excited to share all of that collaboration with y'all. And I'm pretty sure we're going to add some extra stuff on social media and everything and have a really good time with it. So uh, make sure you are tuned in. Make sure you're following both podcasts, both Instagram accounts, all those things. And uh, we will see you there. But not until we get to this week's Zoo News. So let's get to this week's Zoo News. Well, it's one for the pandas, two for the bears, three for the monkeys. Now you should care. Now won't you listen to Zoo News? Oh, you could do anything, but why not listen to Zoo News? Well, it's a Zoo, 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 All right. So we are going to start off with a fun story here. Um, Before we get to our births and deaths, we have an engagement to announce. Congratulations to Sam Anger, our recent guest from Adventure Aquarium, who is now engaged. If you listened to that episode and I know you did, you know how happy Sam has been in her relationship, and I'm just so, so happy for her. Congrats to Sam and Matt. It made me so happy seeing the post saying they're engaged. Yay, Sam and Matt. Woo! And that brings us to our births for the week. The Wilds had an incredible announcement this week, uh, celebrating the birth of a southern white rhino, a Persian onager, and a greater one-horned rhino. That's that's three really uh, exciting births. And actually, the greater one-horned rhino had to be hand-reared. Amazingly, despite a huge amount of successful rhino births at the wilds, this is the first time a rhino born there has ever had to be hand reared. So it's really cool that the team, you know, had their eyes on the situation and were able to uh, jump in and take care of that baby rhino. But I think it's also like really worth mentioning that this has not been a common thing at the wilds, which is just very, very cool. They do great work there. So yay that. And then um, speaking of neat hoofstock births, Another scimitar-horned oryx calf has been born into the herd at Lehigh Valley Zoo. Now, this is the second one born there recently, as you may remember from an August Zoo News episode. So that is very exciting, and I, for one, always get excited about hoofstock births lately. I don't know why, but that's just been, been something I really enjoy. So those two stories brought me a lot of joy. 
But of course, that brings us to the flip of the coin and to the other side where uh, we have to talk about some deaths that happened this week. Um, so Moana, an orca who lived at Marineland Antibes in France, has passed away. Now, he was only 12 years old at the time of his passing. Moana had been conceived through artificial insemination, which is pretty cool. And um, honestly, at this time, I'm having a hard time finding more details about what happened. Uh, the story doesn't seem to have been widely reported um, other than by the anti-zoo and aquarium crowd. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, not quite sure what happened. Tried to do some digging, did not find much. Not sure if they have the necropsy results back yet. Maybe that's why. We don't know. Um, but as a side note, Marineland uh, Antibes is one of the facilities that is currently moving away from having orcas with their population slated to move to older marine parks in Japan with smaller facilities for the orcas because the uh, same crowd that is, um, you know, spreading the information about this loss uh, got uh, laws passed banning orca captivity in France. Um, where, you know, honestly, a lot of people thought uh, the orcas were some of the best kept in the world. So, yeah, just in general, this this issue has become one of the most complex in the animal care world. But for now, all that matters is sending condolences and love to all of the people who worked with and loved Moana. Our friends at the Greensboro Science Center have announced the passing of Olin, one of the Asian small-clawed otters that lived at the aquarium. Olin was 18 years old, which is six years past the life expectancy of the species in human care, which is absolutely incredible and speaks to the amazing care that Olin has received at that facility. Uh, however, recently Olin needed emergency surgery for a medical issue he was experiencing, and uh, unfortunately he was not able to pull through. So sending all the love to the team at Greensboro. Y'all know I think they are uh, just the best. So very sad to to hear that tale. Pedro, the oldest rhino in Europe, has passed away. Now, Pedro lived at the Barcelona Zoo and was over 50 years old at the time of his passing, which is absolutely incredible. Um, despite Despite the fact that he was facing a bunch of age-related health issues, the zoo did an incredible job managing all of them until eventually they became too much uh, for his quality of life. And uh, yeah, so just an incredible tribute to the care received at the Barcelona Zoo. Uh, sad to see Pedro Zoo, but what an amazing long life. Wow, that's incredible. Um, and then uh, we recently announced that... Two of the lemurs at the Trevor Zoo passed away. Now, this was back in August, um, and it was it was very sad, and uh, they weren't entirely sure what happened. But um, now the zoo has announced that uh, Lorelai and her baby George, the remaining ring-tailed lemurs at the zoo, have also passed away. While necropsy results are still pending, the symptoms and failing health of these lemurs all mirrored what happened with the lemurs who passed earlier. There is still no definitive diagnosis of what has taken the lives of these lemurs, but the zoo is working with lemur experts around the globe to try to find out exactly what happened. 
No other animals at the zoo are showing signs of illness. And um, on a personal note, I want to say that, you know, I have spent time at the Trevor Zoo, had them on multiple times. I've visited multiple times, and I actually got to spend some time with the lemurs at the zoo. And I can personally vouch for the incredible care that they received at that facility. Uh, I grieve for their loss. And um, man, you know, Trevor Zoo is the zoo that is at a high school, the only AZA accredited zoo at a high school in in the U.S., uh, for sure. And um, I just, ah, I feel terribly for not only the adults at the zoo, but the students that work there, too. This this has to be incredibly hard on them. So just sending all of my love and, and the biggest condolences to the team at the Trevor Zoo. All right. So moving on from engagements, births and deaths, um, it'd be weird if I had an engagement section every week, either just with with a zookeeper engagements or even weirder animal engagements. I guess that's kind of what SSP breeding wrecks are. Anyway, I'm I'm rambling. I apologize. But um, the truth is, uh, this was a really weird week with a couple of surprising stories coming from really amazing facilities where some bad things happened this week. So we're just going to hit all of those stories next. Um, yeah, we'll just we'll just knock them out. Just knock them out quick. So we're going to start with the fact that there was a fire at Miller Park Zoo um, that occurred after hours around 930 at night. And uh, security staff saw the smoke and called first responders who responded quickly and were able to get the fire under control. Keeper staff responded and helped move animals and uh, to look at the animals that they were unable to move. And at first, it looked like they were all going to be fine. The keepers were there until about 1230 in the morning when they went home for a couple of hours of sleep. But um, sadly, when they returned the next morning and uh, the vets and keepers started checking out the animals, it turned out that Nani, a reticulated python who was already under veterinary observation and in whose enclosure the fire started, had inhaled too much smoke and as such needed to be euthanized. Nani was 20 feet in length, making her the longest reticulated python in the AZA, and she was an absolutely beloved animal at the facility. So very sad to hear that story, and uh, I'm pretty glad that there was such a great response, though, that they only lost one animal. The fire has been ruled an accident. And we now head to the Cincinnati Zoo, where an employee in the Manatee Springs area was bitten by a resident eastern diamondback rattlesnake that lives on exhibit there. The bite occurred off exhibit and apparently was not too terrible as the woman who was bitten is in stable condition. And in fact, doctors decided that she didn't even need any anti-venom. So... That's good news. And, you know, there is always a risk when dealing with venomous species. So while, um, you know, it is sad that that happened, these things do happen from time to time, even at amazing facilities like the Cincinnati Zoo. Now, the third story in this small segment here comes from the Utica Zoo, where on Tuesday, a keeper came in contact with one of the male African lions that lives at the zoo during a routine feeding and closing procedure. 
The keeper was injured by the lion, but the injuries are non-life-threatening. The lions will be off-exhibit as the zoo examines its procedures and works with the AZA to investigate the situation further. However, they did put out in their press release that uh, there will be no retaliation against the lion. The lion did nothing wrong, and, and that's that's what we would expect, but it was still nice to, to see them put that out there. So, um, yeah, another amazing facility where just something went a little sideways. And then the last story in this group uh, is about the death of Ronnie, a 27-year-old female Asian elephant who lived at the St. Louis Zoo. Now, this was an unexpected death with crazy circumstances. A small, unleashed dog was seen running in a non-public area of the zoo near the elephant barn. The elephant care team worked to contain the dog, but its presence caused one of the elephants to become agitated, which then caused the herd to start vocalizing and showing anxiety. Ronnie was actually inside getting dinner and away from all of this activity, and Ronnie never saw the dog, but because of the herd activities, Ronnie became agitated, and she started circling and vocalizing before collapsing. Emergency care was given immediately, but it was too late and Ronnie had passed away. An initial necropsy showed that Ronnie had some heart issues developing, but further testing is required to figure out the full cause of death. The elephant team, past and present, along with the rest of the elephant herd, was given time to grieve and properly say goodbye to Ronnie. And, you know, with all four of those stories, um... Well, what can I say? I, I hate them. I, I hate them all. And I, I especially hate that they all happened at the same time. But at the end of the day, these are all amazing facilities that do incredible work. And sometimes things happen. Humans exist and humans are not perfect. Animals exist and things happen to animals. This in no way takes away the amazing work done by these facilities. But I would be remiss to not share that these things did happen. And uh, I do have some news that helps offset some of the, the pain of these tough stories. So it turns out that a new study from the University of Southern Denmark, in conjunction with Species 360, is providing evidence of what, well, frankly, all the listeners of this podcast already know. The animal care and management practices at accredited zoos have improved significantly over time. The study has 42 co-authors from academic, governmental, and zoological institutions from all around the globe. The study is actually the first ever to examine life expectancy and lifespan equality together, using those metrics to determine population welfare in marine mammal species. These are the same metrics that are used to determine how humans are doing uh, when, when that is being studied. So that's exciting. And what they found is also very exciting, um, including the fact that many species live significantly longer in zoological settings than in the wild. In particular, the study shows that over the past 200 years, because yes, they have data going back 200 years, which is amazing to me, uh, the four species that were looked into, which are harbor seals, California sea lions, 
polar bears, and common bottlenose dolphins have seen improved conditions while in human care. The life expectancy of these species is all now between two to three times as long in human care as it is for their counterparts in the wild, which is an incredible achievement. Uh, The biggest changes in their care started in the 1990s as zoos and aquariums really shifted their focus to animal welfare in a major way. And y'all have heard me say many times in interviews on this podcast that I probably wouldn't have done this podcast a long time ago. And, and that's very true. And, you know, even just a couple decades ago. And now we have a published paper that kind of agrees with me. Uh, I thought that was that was very interesting. Um, but, yeah, it's an incredible achievement to have this welfare constantly getting better and a study that uh, all zoo and aquarium fans need to keep in their arsenal when discussing the role of these facilities today. Because the truth is, as amazing as this study is, uh, zoos and aquariums are still under attack, including, I hate that I have all these great segues for stuff that I don't love, but whatever. In an article from Vox this week, another anti-zoo person wrote another article misrepresenting facts and giving opinions about zoos, with the overall gist being that zoos are not for animals, they are for human entertainment. Now, you may remember that a few years ago, a New York Times opinion piece came out with the same message, and I recorded a bonus episode combating that uh, story. And if you haven't heard that, you can go back and listen to it if you would like to. Uh, The article um, doesn't seem to be getting as much traction, the Vox one, as the the New York Times one did. So I'm just going to say that it sucks that it's out there. And it uh, weirdly, weirdly, this article doesn't contain any of the facts in the study I just told you all about. Shocking. I know it's it's shocking. But yeah, I I just kind of wanted to let you know that the piece is out there. And uh, it's written by a person who, if you do a little research, you'll find has many personal beliefs that are just that, beliefs without facts behind them, and who is writing with an agenda as opposed to with journalistic integrity, says the guy on the zoo-themed podcast defending zoos here, to be fair. But, but, but the difference here is that I support my beliefs uh, with good research and firsthand experiences at these facilities. Uh, I guess, if nothing else, it's important to remember to check your sources, to look at the author of any piece and to look at their intent. And most importantly, to remember that just because something shows up online or in print, uh, even in a, a famous publication, doesn't mean it can really be taken at face value. Uh, If any of you all have seen the article and want to discuss further, you can uh, reach out to me, of course. But um, yeah, it's it's not worth the paper that it's printed on. And it was a digital article. I'm gonna leave it at that. All right. So that was was a lot of kind of crazy zoo news at the top there. But let's move on to some more normal zoo news fare for a bit. All right. Our friends at Reptile Land recently welcomed biology students from Bucknell University to learn about amphibians. 
And they actually taught these students how to swab live frogs in order to test for chytrid fungus, which uh, you may remember is is causing a lot of death, uh, particularly in frogs right now. Um, And apparently you can test for that through PCR testing, which is a term that we all now know thanks to COVID. So yeah, they actually taught these uh, college students um, how to do that, and hopefully that will encourage them to... uh, do some more research and and help fight chytrid. And, you know, these are the kinds of stories that unless you listen to a podcast like this or follow a bunch of facilities or read a lot about zoos, you just don't hear about. They're the small things that aren't, you know, a big deal. We're not reintroducing a species in this story. We're not doing something crazy with AI or whatever, meaning artificial insemination, not artificial intelligence. Um, But they can have a huge impact. These are the almost silent impacts that uh, facilities have on the animal world that I think we all need to do a better job bringing to light because then you will not have stupid Vox articles. Sorry, apparently I'm a little more hung up on that one than I thought I was. But yeah, just just something worth mentioning. But all right, all right, moving on. Birch Aquarium has partnered with the Aquarium of the Pacific, Steinhardt Aquarium, and the San Diego Zoo to successfully spawn three sunflower sea stars. This is part of a program to reestablish populations of this critically endangered species on the West Coast. So uh, this is a huge step in that program, the first time they were successfully spawned. So congrats to all involved. And I love hearing about, you know, multiple facilities collaborating for an amazing story like that. Our friends at the Naples Zoo have announced their new South American Trail, an exhibit area featuring toucans, capybaras, taper, southern screamers, macaws, and more. I cannot wait to get back to the Naples Zoo and to check this exhibit out. Um, Yeah, I don't know when I'm going to be gigging in Florida next, but y'all, I'm trying to get back down there. I have so many people that I love at the Naples Zoo and at some of the other facilities down there, and I think we need to make it happen soon. Uh, Also, I wonder if they'll let me meet a taper. I really want to meet a taper, y'all. I really want to meet a taper. That, yeah, that that stopped being newsy at some point there. Anyway, uh, moving on. The Prospect Park Zoo in New York City uh, remains closed after extensive damage from recent flooding. And at first, when this came out, the zoo had announced that they were, were closing daily, but they never really said what happened with their animals or staff. And they have now officially announced that all animals and staff were unharmed during the flooding. And that is the news that I have been waiting to hear. So uh, very glad to hear that that all went well. Sad to hear that the zoo is still closed, but I know they'll get it all taken care of and open up bigger and stronger than ever before. Zoo Atlanta has announced that two of their panda bears are exhibiting signs of pseudo-pregnancy. Now, if you don't remember that term, pseudo-pregnancy is when pandas show similar behaviors and hormonal changes to a pregnant panda, despite the fact that the bears in question are not actually pregnant. So, um, yeah, this can include eating more and denning and all that kind of stuff. Uh, The bears are not pregnant, but they are exhibiting those pseudo-pregnancy tendencies. All right, we got two more in zoo news, and I love them both. 
First of all, following the success of the Gorilla Cam at Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo, which is being broadcast on Netflix, the zoo and Netflix have now launched a baby animal cam. If you have Netflix, you can search for that and see the adorable baby animals at the Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo. And uh, y'all, this is this is taking off. There are a lot of people that are very happy to watch baby animals be baby animals. And then last but not least for Zoo News, we're going to go over to Australia where we're going to be doing our collaboration soon. And uh, this one is a story that I love. Many years ago, Steve Irwin discovered a species of turtle, which he creatively called the Irwin's turtle, the scientific name of which is Elsea Irwini. Well, now the turtle has been bred in human care for the first time ever at the Australia Zoo by Steve Irwin's son, Robert Irwin. The species has been in decline recently, so this is an incredibly important accomplishment, not just for the family connection, but also to help save the species in question. I love this so much, and I can just picture how excited Steve Irwin would be if he knew this happened. Absolutely incredible, y'all. Conservation! Conservation! News time! Oh yeah! All right, so have you heard of Save a Fox Rescue? If not, make sure you check them out on socials at saveafox underscore rescue. I've been a big fan of theirs for quite a while, but even I can't believe what they're currently in the process of doing. Michaela Rains, who runs the rescue, has convinced a fur farm that she has rescued foxes from in the past to sell her every cage and let her rescue every fox that the farmer owns with a financial buyout that ensures he won't do any more fur farming. The contract literally includes financial penalties if he tries to. So um, obviously this is a very expensive endeavor and they are doing a ton of fundraising to help with this effort. So please consider giving anything you can. You can donate at saveafox.org, which I will put in the show notes. And also, if you work for an accredited facility that might be interested in taking one of the rescued foxes in, or or more, 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 more would be good. Please reach out to Michaela as she will not be able to house all of these foxes herself immediately. It's it's a lot of foxes. And if you go to at save a fox underscore rescue, you can see the uh, the foxes that she's saving, the terrible conditions that they live in and just the hope and joy that she is bringing to this incredible species. I I love Michaela so much. I I love Save a Fox so much. I am I'm so impressed by this, y'all. They're so cool. Go give them all your money and then I don't know, sit in a chair. On the less cute and cuddly side, though definitely uh something that, you know, as we move towards Halloween makes sense to talk about. A newly discovered species of wasp is absolutely terrifying. It is a parasitic wasp with a huge head that sucks the blood out of hosts where it lives in the uh, Peruvian Amazon. Uh, 
Not only that, yes, not only is it a vampire or wasp, but the females use the bodies they drain of their blood to then lay their eggs in those bodies. So that's exciting for uh, for them. Um, hey, have fun sleeping tonight, y'all. <laughs> You're welcome. On a happier note, congrats to the team at Manga Bay. Manga Bay has won the Biophilia Award for Environmental Communication for having an outstanding record in communicating issues related to nature and biodiversity. Now, this is an award that was created to recognize the work being done to improve public understanding of ecological issues through the dissemination of scientific knowledge and sharing new perspectives. I, I have to say that, that when y'all send me these stories for conservation news, a whole lot of them come from Manga Bay. And actually, when I started doing Zoo News and people weren't really sending me stories yet because we were still a baby podcast, um, if I was ever short on stories, I would just go to Manga Bay and like, boom, I'd have everything that I needed. So uh, I, I'm incredibly grateful to the team there. And I think this is a very well-deserved award. On a side note, I'm also really, really happy that there is an award for environmental communication, you know? As a conservation storyteller, I think that um, being able to effectively communicate what is going on in the environment, and be it with animals, be it with conservation efforts, be it with, uh, you know, global warming or whatever, I think it's really important right now, y'all. We need storytellers. We need communicators. And I love that there's an award out there um, to, to reward the people doing it the best. And then last but not least in conservation news this week, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service removed 21 species from its endangered list this week, officially declaring them extinct. This list includes the ivory-billed woodpecker, Guam's little Mariana fruit bat, two fish, 10 birds, and some other animals as well. Now, if you've been listening to Zoo News for the last couple years, then this might sound like a familiar story. And that's because I initially shared this back in 2021 when it was suggested to make these moves. However, uh, there were some unverified photos of what was potentially an ivory-billed woodpecker, and uh, because of those surfacing, this whole thing got delayed by two years as those photos were investigated. However, now all 21 species on the list have finally been declared extinct. And that brings us to... In other news. Only one story in other news this week. Um, so a cougar was spotted recently in Pennsylvania. A cougar in PA. This is huge news because, as you'll remember from my recent interview with Carlton Ward Jr. from Path of the Panther, uh, we learned that cougars are no longer in Pennsylvania, which is why the deer population is so out of control there. Wait, hold on. Hold, hold on, something th something's coming in fresh uh, over the newswire, right directly into my ears. Oh, oh, it it wasn't a panther. It was a house cat. It, it made a lot of news uh, as being a panther. 
but it was only a house cat. Um, as a fun side note, the uh, the reports were based on a photograph that did look like it could be large enough to be a panther, but the PA Game Commission was able to figure out that it was just a house cat uh, using some really fun investigative techniques, including recreating the photograph with cutouts to measure the size of the different things in the photo. It was a hilarious investigation into a false claim, and uh, sadly, that means that that uh, panthers are not suddenly running wild in Pennsylvania, much to all of our cars' chagrin, because it's it's basically a fait accompli that if you drive in Pennsylvania, you will hit a deer at some point. It's just going to happen because we got rid of panthers. Yep, that's why. And that brings us to. All right, so it is still October, which is Bat Appreciation Month, Croctober, Tamra Month, Squirrel Awareness Month, and Adopt a Shelter Dog Month. Now, if you're listening to this on the day it drops, and you should be, uh, well, today is Friday, October 20th, which is International Sloth Day. The 21st is Reptile and Amphibian Awareness Day. And, you know, y'all, that's already like you already have to be aware of squirrels as part of their month. So now you need to be aware of all of the squirrels, reptiles and amphibians that you see on the 21st. I mean, honestly, it might be easier just to stay inside on that day because that is a lot of awareness that you need to have. The 22nd launches World Lemur Week and is also Wombat Day. The 23rd is International Snow Leopard Day. The 24th is International Gibbon Day, and also the start of Bat Week. And then the 26th is National Mule Day. And those are your animal holidays for the week. All right, so there you have it. Another episode of Rossafari Zoo News is done, and um, I'm going to be releasing a little special something just for my patrons uh, that should be out around the same time that this episode is. Uh, I'm not going to say what it is. It's just a little surprise for my patrons, but that's a great way for me to remind you all that you too can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month by going to patreon.com slash Safari, And uh, when you do so, you'll get some extra bonus content from time to time, and it's it's often a lot of fun. So uh, I highly recommend you do that. And I would like to say thank you to all of my patrons, in particular, my Red Panda-level patrons, Dr. Lara Shank and Dr. Stephen Williamson. I would also like to say thank you to everyone who contributed to Zoo News this week, including Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Kevin Williams, Kristen Khalil, Sherry Weiss, Dylan Hoy, Dr. Zoe Rossi, Dr. Lara Shank, Tiffany James, Emily Rockbuck, Jacob Zinn, and Emily Poche. Oh, 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 you thought I forgot the Malenskis, or maybe they forgot me. But no, I just have yet another story about our favorite sisters on the podcast, Kay and Allie Malensky. So they have the habit of every once in a while sending me stories for Zoo News within seconds of each other. Now, 
I don't know if they're sitting together, maybe listening to an episode and think, oh, I should find a story to send, or if it's just that whole sisters being on the same schedule thing. But uh, recently, they both sent me different stories within just a few seconds of each other. Again, it happens a lot with them, actually. But the funny thing was that Kay's story was very, very happy. And Ali's story was very, very sad. So I'm not saying that Kay is now our favorite Malensky sister, but I am saying that in that moment, I was more pleased with Kay than with Allie. No, I'm kidding. All stories are good, important stories, and I appreciate them all coming in. And I just really like messing with the uh, Malensky sisters at this point. It's a lot of fun. So, um, yeah. Hi, Allie. Hi, Kay. Thanks for contributing. And sorry again for uh, turning you into characters on my podcast. But anyway, y'all, um, make sure that you are back here on Tuesday for the start of this awesome collaboration with the team from Trainer Talks and Tales. Make sure you subscribe to their podcast. Make sure you follow them on Instagram. This is going to be such a fun week. I'm so excited to share all of this with all of you. And uh, until we talk again, remember, friends, the words Newsy Credits Backwards are Steiderk Yiswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo. The scientific name is Elsea Erwini. Erwini? Erwini? I think it's Erwini is how it would be pronounced. Anyway. <laughs> oh, damn it, John. You just want to say weenie. <laughs>